<laughs> gonna be fine. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Welcome to It's Dead Already, where we beat topics over the head even after it's dead. I'm Halicia. And this is Priya. Every week, we're going to hash out controversial topics to figure out whether the issue actually needs further conversation or should just be put to rest. These topics can possibly be triggering, so keeping mental health in mind, we're going to check in with each other before and after all discussions. You can always share your own thoughts and feelings with us down in the YouTube comments after listening to our debate. Links to our other social media are down in the description if you want to find us there. All right, cool. So this week we're discussing is racism a mental illness? Um, I got this idea when I was seeing multiple people say that you have to be mentally ill to be racist. And that got me thinking, like, could it be a mental illness? Yeah, so we were talking and after doing like our preliminary argument, we decided that the assertion that like racism was a mental illness was just this huge misunderstanding of mental health issues and took away responsibility from racist people. And since we both agreed on that, there wasn't much of a debate which is why this week's episode is playing devil's advocate. So real quick, I'm just gonna jump into what we mean by devil's advocate. A lot of people do devil's advocate arguments and they've gotten a bad name for a very good reason. So like, just to clarify, I feel like devil's advocate is only valid in one particular situation, which is what me and Halicia are gonna be doing. So basically, Halicia and I both completely agree that racism is not a mental illness, that racism is real and a serious issue, that mental illness is also real and a serious issue. We all basically, me and her, we all, both of us basically agree on everything. But we are gonna do this devil's advocate debate in order to figure out if there's something that the two of us might be missing. So for the purposes of that debate, Felicia is gonna do her absolute best to argue this stance while I take the easy job of arguing what I actually think, so. Yeah, basically, we just want to solidify the fact that racism should not be considered a mental illness, unless we find out that we are, in fact, missing something from the argument. Yeah, we'll see. It's fine. Uh, all right, so before we jump into our very first episode, we should check in on each other's mental health. So how have you been doing this week, Priya? Uh, pretty good. I mean, it is a pandemic. Let's just start there. Um, I'm a little tired today, didn't get a ton of sleep last night, but I'm very caffeinated um, and I'm pumped for our first episode. Let's do it. How are you feeling, Alicia? Uh, I'm in good. I just started a new job. I mean, you already knew that, but I mean, I was a little nervous um, just because I haven't done this type of job before and it was a little bit out of my comfort zone. Um, but I'm super excited after starting. The people I work with are super open and nice. Um, so that's definitely put my worries to rest. Um, and that's really all I've been worried about this entire week. So other than that, I'm doing pretty good. Also, we have both been worried about getting this filmed, just to throw that out there. Oh, yeah, no, we had a whole anxious argument before this even started. So yeah, check our Instagram probably for bloopers of us just freaking the fuck out. Are we to curse in this? It's you. I'm cursing. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah, no, it's fine. This is an adult show, so it's fine. I'm an adult. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, great. Okay. Um, so okay, let's cool. So I think... Yeah. Huh? Let's hop into our arguments, probably. 
yeah, no, I think because we're, we're both feeling good, there's nothing preventing us from uh, having a good argument. So I'm just going to jump in and say that I believe racism Sorry, is... Sorry, can I just pop in, like, real quick? Just to clarify yeah. something about, like, our devil's advocate thing. You just, like, reminded me of this. Even though, like Calicia said, we both are good right now. We're feeling good mentally, ready to argue. If at any point either of us feels uncomfortable with the argument because, I mean, Calicia is going to be taking the devil's advocate side, we can, like, call it quits at any second. So we're never going to be in a situation where either of us are uncomfortable with what's going on or what we're talking about. Yeah, we can call right at any time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so my stance that I'm taking this week is racism should be considered a mental illness. Um, I did some research and I found that a professor of psychiatry said that 30 years ago, it actually was brought up to the, um, I don't want to say psychiatrist association, but psychiatrics. It's, it's the APA. Oh, okay. Yeah, she knows. The APA. Uh, it was actually brought up that um, racism should be thought of as a mental Ill illness. And he said that because it should be extreme racism, um, which is he defines as different than ordinary prejudice, um, should be considered that because it's a delusion, a sh extreme delusion um, to how you view people basically and to want to take it as far to hurt or lynch or murder just in general, um, that that should be considered a delusion. Yeah, I can kind of see that because I mean it definitely isn't based in fact, like let's start there like racism is obviously not based in any kind of like actual fact but i mean again to clarify neither of us are like mental health professionals or professionals in really anything right but, right yeah so i mean this is completely just our opinions but i mean i don't think that that really makes sense like to say that it's a delusion in quite the same way that like other delusions from like other like mental illnesses are because while racism isn't based in like an actual fact it's still based on this like mass belief. It's definitely taught and people are definitely like indoctrinated into it. And even though the facts that they're basing it on aren't real, there's still things that people are telling them. So then, I mean, we could sort of get into this whole thing of like, what's a fact and have this like weird philosophical argument. But like, I mean, like, no, there isn't any factual basis to saying that like, for like white supremacy, for example, there's no factual basis for that. But like when you have like media organizations, like when Fox News is telling you that white supremacy is real and they're making up arguments, like in the era of fake news or whatever, when like the truth is like, who knows what it is? I mean, I think, I think it's just different than calling it a standard delusion. Uh, I mean, I want to kind of just like go back more into how I was calling it a delusion just because I don't want to misquote him. Um, and this is the person who said this uh, is, Alvin you're, you're for trying to pronounce that I can't yeah um I don't know if I said it right but his first name is Alvin um so he said to continue perceiving extreme racism as normative and not pathologic is to lend it legitimacy clearly anyone who scapegoats a whole group of people and seeks to eliminate them to resolve his or her internal conflict meets criteria for a delusional disorder, a major psychiatric illness. And I want to say that, you know, 
not to bring up this horrific thing and give him a name or anything, but the Charleston shooting, they said that he had a mental illness and um, he also was racist. Um, now, a lot of people were trying to say that, oh, he wasn't actually racist. Um, he just had a mental illness and that's why he shot up a whole church of black people. Um, and I think that's terrible. That's not an argument that we should be making. But it could be a fact that he did in fact have a mental illness which um, heightened his racism and led him to commit this horrific act. Okay, cool. Just to be clear about what I'm doing, I am Googling it because I do not have like a... Yeah, I had to Google it because I couldn't remember uh, the guy's name, but I decided not to say his name because I forgot you shouldn't like highlight mass shooters. Cause Great, okay, I didn't terrible. even think about that. So yeah, I won't say his name. But yeah, the Charleston shooter, I was just looking up sort of the information about what specifically um, he'd been diagnosed with in terms of mental illness. Right. And it looks like, um, okay. Okay, so it looks like the court documents say that he suffers from social anxiety disorder, a mixed substance abuse disorder, a schizoid personality disorder, depression by history, not sure what that means, and a possible autistic spectrum disorder. So, yeah, he has- I feel like, sorry. I was just gonna say he has definitely been diagnosed with stuff, just to, yeah. Just to put that fact out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, there's tons of people who have social anxiety who aren't racist, right? Um, so that's not an excuse for racism. Um, but if, depending on the type of social anxiety that he had, if he had delusions that Black people were bad, um, and then he add that on top of social anxiety, uh, you could see where racism played a part in his mental illness. Okay, yeah, I could say that racism, well, hmm, I don't know. Just, again, this is a New York Times article that I'm looking at. We can, I don't know, throw the link in the description if it, if we yeah. be legit. Um, but yeah, so it says that these mental illnesses aren't associated with the kind of deep-seated psychosis or delusion associated with criminals who cannot appreciate the severity of their acts. Basically, meaning it's not like he was considered to be, like, unfit to stand trial or anything like that. Like, he knew what he was doing, basically. And even though he had these, like, diagnoses, he he knew what he was doing and the delusions that he was experiencing. Like, if we're still on this, like, argument of, like, whether it counts as a delusion, the delusion wasn't caused by his mental illness. He wasn't seeing things that weren't being told to him, that weren't real. Like, he wasn't like hallucinating, for example, and he wasn't experiencing delusions in like a traditional psychiatric sense. Well, I mean, it might not be a traditional psychiatric sense, but the delusion that, I mean, I'm not sure, I don't, I don't want to put words, I guess, in his mouth. I'm not sure why he hated black people. I don't want to go look at his blog and 
yeah, I was whatever. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I don't suggest that, but he was just racist. I think we can just yeah. Right, but I mean, some people racism comes in different forms. You're right. Um, so some people might have misconceptions of other groups of people that leads to racism. People might actually hate certain groups of people that can that can be another form of racism. And then some people think that other groups of people are beneath them, you know, white supremacy, basically. Um, I'm not sure how he felt about that. I'm not sure if he thought black people were a threat or if he felt that they were just beneath him and that they should die. Um, but either one of those, that would be like, you could argue that that would be a delusion to think that way because in, like someone who had full logical control you know you wouldn't think that way it, your brain wouldn't process that way i i don't know i mean when you say like full logical control again i mean no i don't think he was like smart like i don't think he was like making like a good decision there far be it from me to like defend this guy that's oh no we both hate him clearly we both hate him yeah he he sucks obviously um but like i think to say that when you get into like sort of like people call this has come up a lot recently like even like when talking about people like donald trump right saying like or like racists in general like people will say like oh my god like they're so they're so dumb that what they say doesn't even like count that they're clearly like mentally ill and like using terms about like like that refer to mental illness like to criticize someone's character so saying that someone's like narcissistic or sociopathic or psychopathic mm -hmm. when they're describing people who are literally just like bad people like those aren't like they can definitely overlap right but like i don't think that like this is i mean like i don't think being a psychopath means you're a bad person and i mean psychopath isn't even like that isn't even like the term that like we would use anymore um according to like the latest DSM, I think it's the DSM-5. But like, still, I mean, that's what it refers to. It refers to these like specific like mental illnesses. And I think that when you like say, oh, they're so like racist or they're so evil in other ways even, right? We are talking about like murderers or rapists or something like that saying they're so evil that they must clearly be mentally ill. It really reflects badly, first of all, on mentally ill people. And I don't say that like as a joke or anything like that. I know sometimes people like frame it as like a weird joke. But like, I mean, it is definitely a fact that like people who have mental illnesses, including like the scary ones, including things like schizophrenia and like, including things like, I mean, even like, even like personality disorders, like narcissistic personality disorder, like borderline, things like that. People with mental illness are like way more likely to be the victims of like violence and abuse than they are to be the perpetrators of it. So, I mean, to say, that someone's mental illness caused them to do these horrible things is first of all just ignoring the fact that like most people who have like the scary mental illnesses and i'm saying scary in quotes because i mean mental illnesses that aren't like how people view it right so that aren't like depression and anxiety which are like a bit more commonly like understood and like a little bit more mainstream so like the things that people would think are scary um i think i don't know it's just really like 
it's really just like hurting people who do have these mental illnesses because when you're saying like oh like this like racist like violent person has this mental illness and that's why he committed this horrible crime i mean then you like have like i don't know like another kid that's being diagnosed with some of the same stuff that like this guy was being diagnosed with, like they're being diagnosed with the schizoid personality disorder. And they think I'm like a monster, right? Like I'm a bad person, instead of thinking that they just have an illness that can be treated like a lot of other illnesses. And also definitely makes it seem like this guy and also like racists in general don't just, have, they're just bad people, honestly, is I guess just gonna be my argument. They're not mentally ill. They're literally, they're capable of making that decision and they're bad people. I feel like saying that just simply they're just bad people and not looking at it from, I guess, a human standpoint. Like, it's easy to be like, oh, racist people are just bad, right? Because they hurt people. They systematically hurt people when you're racist, right? Um, but if you look at it from a mental illness standpoint it doesn't have to further stigmatize it it can help make them better for them to rec like for me for example i had a lot of assumptions about myself before i was diagnosed with depression okay um and before i was diagnosed with depression i thought i was lazy i thought i was a bad person i thought that um I thought that I just wasn't capable of doing things like a normal person. I didn't know what was wrong with me. And then I got diagnosed with depression. Okay. And then I figured out why I felt lazy. I figured out that I had something either, um, either taught to me or a chemical imbalance to make me not have as much energy as the next person. So I wasn't lazy. I had a mental illness, right? So I feel like you could look at racism as the same way. Like you said, it can be taught. Racism is taught and indoctrin indoctrinated. So depression doesn't always come from a chemical imbalance. It can be just from how you're raised. So racism, well, couldn't you view it as the same way as like, okay, it was taught to you, you were taught wrong, but it made your brain feel a certain type of way about groups of people, and it made you racist. So I feel like if you like compare that to depression, it could kind of be on the same level. And then it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't have to stigmatize mental illness. Um, he said, actually, the guy I keep referring to, Alvin, um, he said that his clients, when he told them that they were experiencing delusions against groups of people and explained to them and broke that wall of delusion, that they became less fearful, right? Because um, we're not talking about homophobia, but like the phobia part of that. You don't call it race phobia, but you know, you get what I'm trying to say. They got over their fear of different groups of people and were able to see, oh, I was viewing it wrong. So I feel like viewing it as a mental illness could actually be helpful to our society, not because we want to help the racist, but if we help the racist be better people, then we can help get rid of that racist um, structure that has been built into society.
Okay. Just real quick, I want to pause or just do okay. a little quick like mental health check. Are you good? I know that was like a little bit of a like personal thing you brought in. So are we still good to continue? Oh yeah, no, I'm good. Thank okay. you though. Cool. All right. So to continue, I think those are some really good points actually. Um, I specifically think it's really interesting how um, the professor you're talking about um, experienced like his clients were like a lot more likely to sort of like listen to him and like accept that they were experiencing delusions when he termed them as like delusions and framed it as like sort of a psychiatric condition as opposed to like a social thing. And I think that like maybe part of the reason that that is is Oh, sorry, again, I wanted to come back to this. We're using the word, like, racist a lot. And I think that, like, we're both referring to, like, really, like, aggressive, like, violent, obvious racists. Right. But, like, a really key thing to remember here is that, like, in the society we grow up in, like, at least specifically in the United States, but also definitely in other parts of the world, um, everyone has everyone has like racist thoughts. Everyone is like indoctrinated into the same, like obviously different levels of racism, depending on, you know, like your family, where you grow up, all that kind of things, all those kinds of things. But everyone experiences racist indoctrina indoctrination in the United States. And I mean, like in order to, I mean, I think I'm always just generally suspicious of someone who just like flatly denies that they're racist says like i'm not racist i'm the least racist person you'll ever meet because it's generally just like an indicator that they haven't done that like work for themselves on an individual level of like undoing sort of the racist things that they think i mean like i don't think i was raised in a particularly like racist setting for example um my parents were like relatively like liberal and generally didn't like say racist things or anything like that but just by nature of growing up, again, in the United States, you just, like, you have these specific assumptions about groups of people growing up in the South. You just hear all this, like, rhetoric about, like, specific... You're around other kids, too, who did grow up with racist parents, and you hear what they're saying, and so you start having those thoughts. Absolutely, and even the American education system, I mean, the way that they frame things like immigration, the way they frame things like the genocide of Native Americans, as opposed to calling it, and just, you know, like, framing it in the ways that they do, which again is a whole other thing to go into. Yeah. Basically, I mean, it's all around you and you can't really escape racism by saying like, oh, I'm not racist, I was brought up in a great household, which is just, I mean, a bizarre thing to say because we all have like racist thoughts and feelings, um, just, you know, growing up the way that we do. And it's our job, I think, as individuals and especially as adults to like, take that responsibility and like work on yourself um which also i mean again this kind of does sound like a mental health thing but specifically like i think it is your job to do that but going back to like sort of our argument but like we're talking about like racists generally and i mean i guess the point i'm trying to make is that if you talk to someone who's super racist like this charleston shooter or someone who's a staunch Trump supporter, um, any of these like ideas of like this like image of like a racist that you would think of, right? Mm -hmm. There's generally gonna be things that your average, even your average Democrat, your average liberal would be able to come to common ground with them on. Things that seem like harmless, but are actually like based in racist rhetoric. So things like, oh, people should just, should take personal responsibility for 
themselves and their like welfare or like, oh, it all happened a long time ago or, oh yeah, I think these people are going a little bit overboard with the microaggressions. All these like little like things that people say are actually like racist and those are things that like you would hear in like a mixer of like Democrats and that like the Charleston shooter would probably agree with. So all that to say that when like the psychiatrist, like for example, would like talk to a client and say you're experiencing delusions and that's like a way of putting the onus specifically on that client saying you individually are experiencing delusions as opposed to saying like this movement in general is horrible because I think it's a lot easier for a person to in a weird way it's a lot easier for a person to question their own like experiences when it feels like there's not like a moral judgment being placed on them so like if someone came at me and was like your whole like I don't know like a community that I was in like your whole community is horrible and you all are like bad for some reason you're all like racist and they mean it in like a way that indicates like moral impurity or something like that I would like take offense and I would also feel like vindicated in my stance because I have like this like imaginary backing of like my community behind me but if someone comes to me individually and says hey I think you individually are experiencing delusions about whatever issue I think it would be a lot easier for me to start that discussion and also because I assume in this like psychiatric setting there isn't like that judgment placed on the person it's like hey you're dealing with this this is something that's hard for you and we can figure it out together like extending that like judgment free hand and so I that's why I think it would be effective I don't know that I necessarily agree with it as a tactic so I think just kind of like summarizing what you just said. Um, I think you were saying that racism is more of a societal problem and it affects everyone. Like there's internalized racism, for example. Uh, me being um, a mixed black and white person, I can have internalized racism against black people. Um, so like that would be a societal problem if I have that sort of feelings. Um, but then what the psychiatrist is arguing is that we can tackle it individually and put it more on um, the individual person that might be racist. Um, I think both points are valid um, just because it is a society racism is a societal problem um but it's helpful for the individual if you attack it head on with like this is a you problem instead of just making it a societal problem because like you said like they have the backing of their peers so they're going to feel more validated in staying with their racist beliefs um so I don't think classifying racism as a mental illness would solve racism as a whole, um, but I do think it would be helpful for solving it on an individual basis, which that might be a slower process. Maybe that would um, slowly change racism in America, but there's racism is a complicated issue just because like 
like you said, there's people who are like, I'm not racist. I don't contribute to the problem. But there's a whole systematic um, ideals set in place for racism like to take over. Um, so just fixing it on the individual level, I don't think would solve racism. Um, but I don't think it's that makes it hurtful to classify it as a mental illness. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, I think another point that could be brought up, because, yeah, we're talking about, like, does it count as a mental illness? So, like, the point you kind of brought up was, like, does it even matter? Like, what do we mean counts? Like, is it going to be helpful or not? Right. So, like, just sort of, like, being more practical with it, which I definitely agree about. I just think that a problem we could run into with classifying it as a mental illness is sort of like moving over to the side of just like sort of like mental health care in the United States. First of all, it's super inaccessible. You and I both know this. It's literally hell to find mental health care, even if you literally have something that's commonly understood to be a mental illness, like depression. Everyone knows that's mm -hmm. mental illness. How hard is it to find a therapist that takes insurance? We don't have time to go into that. But like, if the solution is suddenly for like, oh, if you are racist, which I mean, I assume at this point we're like creating some kind of like cutoff for like how racist you are, because again, everyone's racist, but like I assume if you're like seeking like mental health care for your racism in this like hypothetical scenario, you meet like a certain bar of racism, like maybe you're like violently racist, I guess. Right. Um, right, so basically my point is just where are the mental health providers for this you end up with a situation where like best case if people buy this if they say yep racism is a mental like illness i mean there's just not enough mental health mental health care for it like and that system would just be quickly overwhelmed and also i mean it isn't classified as a mental illness like i mean yes this professor that you're citing has like argued for it and there does it does look like there are people who have been arguing for it but there's not like really a standard way to treat racism on its own when it's not paired with like other mental illnesses. Like if you're having like actual like psychiatric delusions that happen to involve a specific race, right? Which is like a very specific case that isn't really what we're talking about. In that case, yeah, like um, a mental health worker would be able to like work with you and help you figure things out. But like if it's just like standard racism, I don't think the mental health like system that we have is qualified to even treat that. I mean, mental, I mean, sorry, racism within the mental health care system is extremely prevalent. I mean, oh, yeah, I've definitely dealt with like, I'm not even like, I'm not even black, right? Like, I'm Asian American. And so like, obviously, the levels of like racism I experience are not like the same thing. But just speaking as like a woman of color, like, um, I've definitely experienced racism within the mental health care system. And it has been like a whole mess for me. So to suddenly be like, hey, let's have all these like violently racist people go, oop, you cut out there. Where are you? Sorry, coming back. All right. <laughs> Sorry, there was a cut in the video. I had technical difficulties, but we were back and Priya was talking, so she can continue her point. Thanks, Alicia. So uh, in the little like intermission there, I definitely forgot exactly where I was. So I'm just going to jump back in um, to sort of where I think I was. So basically, I was sort of talking about how um, racism is so prevalent in the mental health care system. And I mean, my personal experiences with it aside, I mean, there are definitely like so many accounts from specifically like from like black people in the United States, like lower income communities. Like when you like look at those intersections of specifically things like race and gender and like class, I mean, you end up with a situation in which like 
mental health care in the United States and psychiatry as an institution has consistently been discriminatory and harmful to communities of color and specifically black communities who are also the communities that are experiencing, of course, like the highest levels of like racial discrimination, which is like what we're talking about. So, I mean, I guess my point would be like, what is there, like, is there really more benefit than potential harm from combining these like two, well, obviously not the same level of like harmful, like still certainly harmful institutions of things like I mean, I think we're certainly talking about more like individual racism rather than systemic racism, yeah. but like, just like being like, let's send all these racists to an institution that's an institution by which I mean psychiatry as a whole, not like a specific place or anything like that. But that's already consistently been shown to have like negative outcomes for people of color. Like, is there anything to actually be gained from that? Or are we just making things worse? I see what you're saying and I agree. Um, just because, first of all, yes, there is racism within the uh, mental health. Um, I haven't experienced racism personally, um, but I've definitely had um, a really good therapist that I liked, and she was white. Um, but there was a disconnect when I did talk about racist issues, and she just didn't understand. Um, so there was just like, a disconnect there when I was trying to talk about my personal experiences because like I could talk about my depression I could talk about uh, struggling to do things throughout the day or whatever but when I brought up racism she would kind of like not argue with me but she would just kind of push back a little bit and then I'm like I just felt like I wasn't being heard or understood at that point um, so there's definitely something to be said about that um, but to say, to say that it wouldn't be helpful to add racism as a mental illness, um, just because it wouldn't get the proper care it would need, I don't feel like that's the point. Because depression, for example, um, to say that it wouldn't be helpful because we don't have, like you said, it's hard for us. Let me start over. It's hard for us to find a good psychiatrist that takes our insurance that can actually help us deal with our depression. Okay, but that doesn't mean that depression shouldn't be classified as a mental illness. It's still a mental illness, even if there is hard stuff to deal with it being a mental illness. So we might not have the societal structure at the moment to be able to tackle racism as a mental illness, but that doesn't mean it shouldn't be seen as a mental illness. So just on that point, I would say that. That's a good point. And I think I like might have phrased it badly. Um, but yeah, that is a good point to be like, oh, we don't have the infrastructure for it is not really that's like a very like circular form of reasoning there, because then the answer would be like, well, then make the infrastructure for it. And I'm certainly not arguing that our current system of inaccessible mental health care is good. So that's a good yeah. point there. But I mean, even that being said, I still don't think, I still think there's a lot more like harm than good that would come from just being like, all right, if you are racist, then seek out mental health care. Because again, I mean, it goes beyond like even the United States not having like any sort of like, like even like the APA not having like a good like treatment plan for like racism specifically as like and like a solitary mental illness i mean that's just not a thing anywhere 
as far as I know, in the world. Like, there's just, because it doesn't, it's so much more of a social problem than it is, like, a psychological problem. And I think that that's, like, coming up, like, specifically in therapy, like, sort of, like, what you brought up with, like, your disconnect that you were experiencing with, like, your therapist. I mean, I think a lot of people have been experiencing, not that it's exactly the same thing, but, like, currently for the past few months in terms of like first of all the pandemic and then like everything else that's happening it feels like something's happening constantly global warming like the pandemic impending fascism in the united states everything's sort of happening at the same time and a lot of people who are just routinely in therapy like for something like anxiety right are like going to like therapy and being like it feels like everything is horrible and the world's ending and normally, if you said that to your therapist in a non, not like this situation, maybe like a couple of years ago when things seemed a little bit more stable, they would say, okay, that's an exaggeration. You're, you know, catastrophizing. Let's talk about that. Can you really say that now? Can you really say everything isn't terrible? Can you really advocate just like caring about yourself? Well, yeah, I mean, self-care is always incredibly important and you always do need to prioritize yourself, but like can you really advocate saying things aren't as bad as they seem when things are really that bad? And this is, of course, I mean, sort of like a once in a lifetime scenario, not that things are not normally bad for specific groups of people, but I think it's a once in a lifetime scenario, the present situation that we're in, in terms of so many people experiencing like the harmful effects of just the general bullshit that's going on, like with government, with climate change, sort of like everything just combining all at once. So, and this just like general like mass idea in the United States that everything is completely fucked. So it's like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, there's always been this disconnect between things that are like, what's an individual psychological problem and what's actually a sociological problem that can't be dealt with in therapy. So like, if I go to my therapist and I'm like, hey, as a queer person, I'm experiencing homophobia, my therapist will be able to like, help me with my own feelings about it, but they're not going to be able to help me with like the actual homophobia because that's a social problem. There's nothing that my therapist can like do or say that's going to make the actual tangible effects of homophobia not still hurt me. And I think it's similar with racism. And also like, cause like if you're racist and you go to like a mental health like provider and you like, get all the help in the world. I mean, mental health care doesn't occur in a vacuum. You like what, go to a, like a session and you start like unpacking some of that shit and you go like back to your community or wherever. And they're like, that's bullshit. Don't trust the system. Mental health care is a scam. Who are you going to believe? Like this like person that you've met for one session or the community with whom you like share this like bond and potentially your whole life. Like, is it even going to work? You know? I hear what you're saying. And I feel like that happens again. Like, I just, I, I'm not favorited, favored, hmm. I am not prioritizing um, depression over other mental illness. It's just, it's easier for me to talk about depression because I have it. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to talk about something that I don't know about. So I just wanted to add that in here because I'm about to talk about depression again. Um, I feel like that gets, that issue that you just brought up, gets brought up with depression a lot. So um like your psychiatrist will constantly be like what's your home environment what kind of people are you surrounding yourself with do they make your depression worse like does your situation make your depression worse so like because depression can have many factors it can be negative people that you're around negative self-talk um 
you could legitimately be in a bad situation. Maybe you have debt problems or there's something that you can't control going on in your life, causing you to have depression episodes. So with racism, if we're going to assume that it's a mental illness, of course, you're going to run into the same problems. If you're in a racist community that continually supports the idea of being racist, then you're going to have a weird disconnect between going to therapy and then going back to a racist situation. So I feel like that kind of legitimizes racism as a mental illness. Um, just because, like I said, that could happen with depression, um, just like your situation being bad. And then, because like, we all know if you go to therapy, whoever goes to therapy out there, you all know how nice it is to go to a therapist and be able to talk all your feelings out and be in a safe space and be like, wow, like I can just get this off my chest and I feel so much better. And then you go back to real life and you're like, oh, things are kind of still bad sometimes. You know, so I just feel like, again, if racism is a mental illness, then the same could be said of like, wow, I feel like I'm tackling some bad um, thoughts that I had that were racist and like, I'm in a safe space and they're not judging me. But then they go back to the racist community. And then, like you said, they're going to be like, don't believe the system. Um, mental health care is bad blah, 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 like, they're going to be like that. And that's something that that person would have to work on on an individual basis of, like, am I going to continue with the same thought process that I've always had, or am I going to make healthy changes? Because, again, with depression, you kind of have to ask yourself, am I going to make healthy changes and try to make things different day by day? That makes sense. Um... Another thing that I just thought of just off of that is like when you're going to therapy for like depression, right? Just to continue with that example, because like Alicia said, like we both have depression and it's just an easy example for us to work with. So if you have depression, you're going to therapy because you're experiencing the negative effects of depression personally, generally, of course. I mean, I guess there are some people who might go to therapy for like depression that's like affecting like their family and their family is like, you got to go. But like generally... I mean, not even generally, universally, if you have depression, you're suffering, right? Mm -hmm. If you're racist, like, I know I'm saying, like, everyone's racist and you're being impacted by it. If you're, like, racist, you're not necessarily being impacted negatively. And that's, like, an uncomfortable thing to think about. But, like, that's definitely, I mean, like, that's true. You know, like, in the United States as we are now, like, if you're racist, you can, that's, like, a good thing in certain circumstances like it can be a good thing for your career it can be a good thing for you politically being anti-racist is actually like it's definitely a career killer in certain circumstances especially like in like established institutions so if you're going into politics even if you're going into things like academia being actively anti-racist can be like or if you're going to like corporate like stuff like if you're gonna go work on wall street you can't have like a Black Lives Matter phone case. You know what I mean? People will see you as like radical or a buzzkill or literally just radical and they'll write you off. They won't listen to anything you say. So if you're going into like one of those fields, obviously these are all different and racism exists in like every single field that I can think of. But like 
it can help. I mean, look at our president, not to keep harping on this, but racism helped him get into office. It was critical to his campaign. Like he was up on the debate stage being like white supremacy. Like, yes, like I'm for it. Like that was just, and he's president. Like, like he was, it worked for him clearly. So, I mean, like if you take someone who's actually benefiting from racism, which is again, the whole point, it's not like they're just being mean, like they're benefiting from it. So to take someone individually and be like, listen, I need you to stop doing this for the benefit of somebody else. That's first of all, just like a very like anti-American concept. But like, second of all, that's just really not a psychiatric like thing. It's not a psychological thing to like deal with in the like system that we have because they're not dealing with negative ramifications. Like unless you're talking about like being like a bad person or something like that, which again, is just like sort of outside the scope of like what you do in therapy. But like, like, if you have like, just to go back to our earlier example, like if you have depression and you like go to therapy and you like start working on stuff and then you go back to like your like unsupportive community, you're still gonna be experiencing like positive effects from the therapy, right? Because you were experiencing negative effects from the depression, you're fixing something within yourself, you're gonna start to feel better and that's your incentive for continuing to go to therapy, continuing to work on that. If you're going to a therapy-esque situation for racism, you're going to experience negative effects if in your community that you're in. You're going to experience negative effects in a lot of communities if you start becoming anti-racist. If you're the guy at like, you know, your office meeting who's like, hey, that joke is actually not cool. You're, I mean, even something as small as that is going to get you labeled a buzzkill. You're going to get passed over for promotions. These things are all things that happen every day. And I mean, I think it's hard to motivate people to do that on an individual level if they're not personally experiencing any benefits from becoming not racist. And that's where I think it sort of loops back to like, how do you convince someone to do something for the benefit of someone else? Which is a ridiculous question to be asking. Like, it's bizarre to have to ask that question. It seems so basic. But in American society, that's, I mean, that's the whole thing. Right? Like, that's the whole question. How do you get someone to do something good for another person? And that's just not a psychological question. Right. I see what you're saying. Um, I feel like you're making the argument for it to be a mental illness, you have to be suffering. And then there has to be positive um, outcomes and incentives for you to continue working on that mental illness. Okay. I'm going to talk about being bipolar a little bit. Um, and a common symptom of being bipolar is uh, not continuing to take your medicine anymore because you don't think there's anything wrong. Um, and clearly this person might be suffering, but they might not know that they're suffering. So like they're not being fully aware and like anyone listening to this if you suffer from being bipolar um, or if you just know more about it than I do feel free to correct me in the comments because um, I I personally um, have never met anyone who uh, is, has been diagnosed with being bipolar that you know um, that I know of um, but 
I just, I've heard before that a common symptom is to stop taking your medicine because they don't think anything is wrong. So that person isn't to themselves suffering. And so I could argue that um, just because they're not suffering doesn't mean that they don't have a mental illness that still needs to be helped. Um, and then also, sometimes racists do suffer, okay, when they're caught, okay? Uh, and I feel like with cancel culture happening, and I'm not making a judgment for or against cancel culture, um, with cancel culture, it catches racist people in the act, and then their life suffers after that. For example, um, that woman in the park um, in calling Park. in Central Park. You know what I'm talking about with the dog. Yes, uh, I just want to explain it in case no one else knows what we're talking about. I think, um, yeah. Just this was a couple months ago. Yeah, uh, it was pretty recent. The she, guy who was bird watching. Yeah, he was bird watching, and she had a dog in um, the part of the park where they're supposed to be leashed and she had the dog unleashed. And he just asked her to um, please leash her dog and she got very hostile. She threatened to call the cops on him or I think, did she call the cops? Yeah. Yeah, she oh, called the cops. showed up. I don't know. Um, but she called the cops, yeah. She called the cops with the purpose and she specifically said, I'm going to tell them that a black man is harassing me or threatening me or something and so she clearly had murderous intent racist intent when she said those things um and what followed was um probably very harmful for her she lost her job she got publicly shamed for being mean to her dog because she was choking her dog at this point um and then being racist so i felt like she had ramifications for being racist and being caught. And so maybe, maybe she could have a growth period after this, right? After all these bad things happened to her because she's been caught being racist. Um, maybe she could be like, wow, this is something I should probably work on. And so it's a shame that a racist person has to be caught on video for them to even realize that this is a bad thing but maybe this is an opportunity for growth and then working on themselves. And so it's like, they can go to help, maybe mandatory help after that. And it's like, you need to recognize your delusions towards black people. And then that could individually help that one person. And then, you know, maybe incentives for her to get a new job after this. Cause she's, she was publicly shamed. Like let's, again, whether you're for or against cancel culture, that is what happened. Um, she was publicly shamed and had some ramifications after that. Um, so maybe a good way to integrate herself back into society as an accepted individual is to seek therapy so that she's not racist anymore. Yeah, I mean, I will say I'm not like exact, I'm not like super familiar with like where this particular woman is like now, right? Um, and I know that she experienced like some ramifications afterwards. I know that she lost her dog, but I mean, for like a couple of weeks, I think like the dog. She got the dog back, right? Yeah. 
Um, and I think she, she was fired, but I mean, in terms of like reintegrating herself into society, again, because racism is such a social problem, I don't know that she experienced like really serious, she wasn't like a pariah, you know, after that, like, right? Like, I'm sure like, it's gonna be like, it's definitely not gonna like look great for like when future employers Google her and she was like, Right, like, who's gonna hire her right now? A lot of people, um, but, like, also, I mean, neither of us can think of her name, right? And I can't really think of what she looked like. She was a white lady with brown hair, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, I mean, like, the only way that I would, I wouldn't recognize her if I saw her, like, in a place of business, right? So, like, if I knew who she, like, if I walked into, like, I don't know, like, a store or something, and she was, like, a receptionist or something there. There's not receptionists in stores. But like if I walked into an office and she was a receptionist, I wouldn't recognize her and I wouldn't think anything of it. Because as big of a deal as that was, I don't remember her name and I don't remember her face. And the odds of me like Googling the receptionist's name to find out who she was are pretty minimal. I don't think that she experienced super serious ramifications considering that again, like you said, she called the police with certainly malicious intent and almost mm -hmm. definitely murderous intent and she didn't get in any sort of legal trouble for it she didn't experience the only ramification she experienced was that she was fired from that job and i'm sure she has another job at this point she could easily have her own like talk show at fox like there she's not like racist people do sometimes experience ramifications but it has to be that big of a deal like, I was in classes at the time, and, like, we talked about that video in, like, so many of my classes. Like, it was a huge deal, that video right. of Guy Bird watching at the park. And it was, like, I mean, we, not to go into the whole details of why that specific video became such a big deal, but, like, she's one person, and that happens constantly, right? Right. And, like, without them being caught. Right. And Without she had, there being video evidence. Right. And there could be honestly positive ramifications for that. Like I said, there are a ton of people who would like pay her to be a public speaker about the dangers of cancel culture or something like that. And even if that doesn't like, even outside of that, I mean, the problem for her, just to be like, take her as an example, the problem for her isn't that she was being racist. The problem for her is that she was caught. And the problem for her is that she was canceled. And what people do, not just her, but like every fucking YouTuber, you know, that has gotten caught saying the N-word or something like that, their response is rarely to be like, I'm genuinely going to become a better person. It's to make a sad video and then critique cancel culture and then continue to be famous. Like, that's just like what happens with like celebrities, like white celebrities, again, to clarify. Um, and then like, I don't know. I just don't think that there's that much of a negative ramification for being an open racist. Again, not to harp on this, but look at our fucking president, right? Like, right. You know, he's in the highest place. He's doing office. great. Honestly, he and saved his whole career. He's, I mean, even if he doesn't get elected again in November, he's going to be, you know, set for fucking life with speaking arrangements. He's doing great, honestly, for himself politically because he's a violent racist. Right. You're right. I can't really argue against that point. Um, again, whether or not you're for cancel culture. I don't know why I'm trying to be so PC about can cancel culture. I don't know why you're being PC about it either. 
a new anti-cancel culture. Next no. Okay. Stop. Um, cancel culture is appropriate most of the time. Okay. Okay, we're not getting we are not getting into this debate right now. Maybe it will be our next debate. <laughs> um, I just feel like racism, just going back to it being classified as a mental illness. In her case, I can't really see how it would be a mental illness. She had malicious intent. She was fully aware of the political climate with police and Black people at that time. At this time now, it's still happening. Justice was not served for Breonna Taylor. So not not speaking of that right now, but I'm just saying it's still currently happening. Um, I guess I can't really see how she would have a mental illness in that point, in that standpoint, um, because you don't classify murderers as being mentally ill, except sometimes, right? But that's like in really low cases. Yeah, like if they're mentally ill, that's the thing, but like there's not a mental illness called murderer, is that? Right. And she, she, it could be argued that she had murderous intent when she called the cops. Um, I mean, we don't know her specific background. So that's kind of hard. It's hard to try to place mental illness on people that you just see on the street. Like, also, that's like, not something you could do. Yeah. Right. So that's not something you should do anyway. Um, Just looking at specific instances like this where she was trying to um, have this black guy murdered uh, just because he asked her to leash his dog, leash her dog. Um, I just, I don't see how we could classify that as a mental illness just because it had such murderous intent behind it. And you don't really talk about murder being caused by mental illness. It's a choice that you made, a conscious choice, except for this few percent of people that do uh, have mental illness that caused them to murder, but that's not every murder case. Um, so I feel like, I feel like I had some good points when it came to calling racism a mental illness. Like I was able to draw parallels between that and um, depression. But I still feel like, like you said, I really like your point of like suffering. Um, racist people don't suffer from being racist. Uh, in fact, America incentivizes, like you said, to be racist. Um, and then, you know, not to mention that white people in general, whether racist or not, uh, benefit from racism. So that's just a fact that happens again, whether they're actively being racist or not. Um, so, and I don't even think my point about being bipolar counts. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good effort. I would say. Thank you. Thank Came you. Out of left field a little bit. I was like, Oh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think it really counts. 
um, as a point, because clearly, you know, I think people who suffer with um, bipolar disorder, um, they can have hard parts in their life, just like you would be affected by depression. Um, so I really liked, again, your argument saying that uh, if you're not suffering, is it really a mental illness? Um, but what about you? Like, how did you feel about my side of the argument? Like, did it persuade you at all? No, but like, um, I think it was helpful in pulling the debate from like, away from like a sort of like a hypothetical philosophical thing to being like, okay, whether or not it should like count, what do we do about it? Will it help? Yeah. It doesn't actually matter if it counts, right? Like, will it help? And I think that's a really, that was really helpful for me to like recenter my argument and being like, that's actually the whole point, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what do we do about it? But yeah, in the end, I don't think that classifying it as a mental illness would actually be helpful. Just, I mean, like for the reasons that you stated. But I mean, it's definitely a good thing to talk about and I'm glad we talked about it. Yeah, like I said, I didn't, I never viewed it from that point of view. And I think it's great that Alvin, the, the psychiatrist, um, can help out certain racist people. Um, and help them see the error, I guess, of their ways by doing it this way. Um, but it's certainly not going to fix racism in America, and it's not going to do anything on a big scale uh, in America. So, like you said, if it would actually be helpful to do that, I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, I guess, I guess we're going to call Priya the winner here. Yay, and um, props to you, Alicia, for being the devil's advocate, because I did not want to do that. <laughs> you did a great job. Yeah, you Thank actually you. definitely did put effort into researching your side, brought up points that I wouldn't have even thought about, so really definitely good work there. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I mean, we talked about a lot of, we're going into, you know, checking in with each other again after the debate, um, just to keep up with our you know, mental health check-ins. Um, we definitely brought up some triggering content, um, the racism against certain groups of people, the problems with, um, between cops and black people, Breonna Taylor. Um, I think we should definitely talk about how we felt about that because um, I'm sure people listening too, that's triggering, so. For sure. Um, and something that I just wanted to plug real quick um, that we like sort of had talked about before um, was that something we didn't bring up a ton in this debate was like mental health care for people who are negatively impacted by racism. So we were pretty much talking about like mental health care hypothetically for racists, but we didn't mm -hmm. really go into just sort of like the epidemic of like the lack of mental health care, lack of access to resources in the United States for like specifically like communities of color, black women, black trans women, like we can literally go into like all of these intersections and like just the massive number of communities that just have no access to this sort of stuff. So we are going to plug a couple of orgs down in the comments, um, the comments down in the caption um, to donate to, we're going to donate to a couple um, just to sort of support right now. Um, because yeah, I mean, at the end of the, the day, I think something that we agree on is like practicality, right? Like who's mm -hmm. actually being hurt right now? Like we can't solve everything, but like prioritizing sort of like triaging the stuff that we need to focus on. 
right. So yeah, we'll definitely, like Priya said, it'll be down in the caption. So if you want to be able to donate and do that, definitely do that. That would be um, great. Um, but yeah, I think we had a great debate. Um, I'm feeling tired after doing that argument, um, just like mentally drained kind of. It was definitely hard to play devil's advocate for that because it felt like I was sympathizing with racists and like that's definitely not something that I would do on the normal because um, like Priya said a lot during the debate that they hurt other people, they're not the ones being hurt. Um, so it's kind of weird to be like, oh, but what about the racist? How do they feel? And it's like, no, no, no. Um, so yeah, like my brain feels kind of tight right now. Like I'm just like mentally tired. Um, I don't know how you felt trying to argue against me, uh, like sympathizing with racists. I mean, I'm definitely a little bit tired after that, just from talking for as long as we did. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think just because we've known each other for so long, I was like looking at you and I was like, she doesn't, she doesn't believe that. Like, that's <laughs> not, like, yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, we can definitely like talk more after this video is over. Me and you, Alicia. Yeah. Bye. Um, and we're going to like decompress a little bit more, but yeah. Yeah, and definitely tell us how you felt about it. Um, if what I said made you angry, I'm sure it was rightfully so. Uh, please tell us in the comments so we can uh, agree with you because trust me, we do. Um, <laughs> or I mean, controversial, controversially, conversely, if you disagree with us, if you disagree mm -hmm. with our conclusion, if you disagree with something that I said, I mean, again, drop it in the comments. I would love to fight you if necessary, or also again to have she like, will fight you. Discussion. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I, again, I think that went great. Thank you for listening to It's Dead Already with me, uh, Halicia, and Priya. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. If you do, please give our video a thumbs up and subscribe to us on YouTube and like us on Spotify. Uh, we'll be back with you next time. Bye. Bye.